Hey, I know. I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. Hello everyone, welcome to Out of the Drying Pan, a Pokemon the Series podcast, where each week we talk about our eventful weeks, and we discuss two Pokemon anime episodes with some twists along the way. And just a quick reminder, this podcast is rated E for explicit, and I'm your host Jacob, and I'm here with my co-host Alex. Oh, okay. Um, I guess I'm going first this week. <laughs> How are you doing, Jacob? I'm doing well. Allergies are acting up a little bit. It's a little early in the morning. Um... I'm hanging in there, though. I appreciate you all willing to do this a little earlier this week. Of course. I feel like I can relate to the allergies thing because my ears are feeling kind of stuffy and I'm hoping that it's just the allergies. I'm doing great. I don't have anything. What are y'all going on about? <laughs> oh, that makes uh, one us of in us. Our helmets. <laughs> all right. Well, we're here with other co-host Austin. What's up, Austin? You're doing, you said you're doing well today? Yeah, I think my allergies are only during the summertime. So, it's currently September, so I'm in the clear. Okay, so I get both. I will say this. Ooh. I get my spring ones are not as bad as my fall ones. But I think what's contributing to this is we just had a drastic temperature change here. Yes. And that always gets me. Even if it's not, I guess it's allergies or whatever, but anytime there's about a 30, 30 degree shift in temperature, I feel it. So, that's what's going on degrees. here, 30 degrees? Yeah, it went from like 90 to, you know, 60 or... Something like that. No, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> At its peak, yeah. I mean, did it really go down to 60? I hit 62 on my, oh, on my phone. I had to get back. Wait I had to a get minute. Back my sass. Was that like yes. in the dead of night? Because. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that counts. Okay. Does it? I don't maybe, know. I'm not a meteorologist. You live in like a weather void or something. No, no. You guys just aren't open minded. What's going on here? Nice weather we're having, isn't it? All right. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Uh, so, Austin, what'd you do this week? I think you showed me something for the podcast that uh, <laughs> I may need to, well, we may need to talk about. Well, Jacob, as we actually discussed on the podcast, I believe, Jacob graciously lent me his external DVD drive for my laptop for ripping various CDs, which, by the way, I'm having a kind of a renaissance of throwing away money I don't have on buying old Pokemon CDs on eBay. So you're still doing this? I'm still doing this. Nice, nice. Uh, I've purchased everything. I purchased the red and green soundtrack. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I just purchased the movie one soundtrack in English and Japanese, which has been an ordeal in of itself. Because I just, you know, I just care about the podcast so much. What can I say? So devoted. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I open up the CD drive that Jacob has graciously lent to me, and there's Civ Five. So I tell Jacob just now, Jacob, look what I have. It's Civ 5. And Jacob's like, oh, excellent. Now you both have it. I'm like, not quite. <laughs> I was like, oh, I finally won you over. You get to, you get to spend no, no. countless hours building up your um, country of choice. <laughs> so why am I not in a hurry to get this back to you? I feel bad. Because I don't need it. Okay, this is actually what I was talking about with the external... Uh, DVD drive is once you put the disc in and load it on your computer, you don't need the disc anymore. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. And plus, I think the one 
either you got the broken one or the one that works. I can't remember because that that's the one I may have gotten. Well, it's from, one or the other. I got from probably yeah. I got from Goodwill and then I put it in and let me see what's the serial it was like number one on little it? scratch. No. Oh. Well, it's not broken for that Are you reason. Serious? No, no, it's not. No, don't give me the serial number. It's not broken for that reason. So I bought the one from Goodwill, put it in my computer, and the code for it was already used, so I couldn't register mm-hmm. it through Steam. So that was a bust. So then I had to go buy another copy from Walmart for about the same price, and I had to re-upload that. So, and the story is, I don't need the disc. So if you want to try to pirate it or whatever, go ahead. It's up to you. Rip that one. Rip the music off that and put it on the distro or the podcast. That's what we need. I could try. I could try. <laughs> That'd be really cool. We'll see what happens. It's got some really good music on it. <laughs> it really does. Well, when we do a, a civilization podcast, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the next turn, the civilization podcast. <laughs> uh, Austin, did you do anything else this week? Uh, I need. I know I did. I just don't remember what it was. Should I? Can I, will I, ask you about your concert tickets? Any- God damn it. Okay, so... <laughs> Any revelations yeah, there? <laughs> I've had a, quite the journey on that one, too. I put it up basically on a bunch of different listings. Um, and obviously the one that I put it up at the cheapest price. It was kind of an experiment, actually. I put it up at different prices to see what would happen. And where I put it for the cheapest price is where it sold immediately, of, of course. course. Mm-hmm. So I did some calculations, and I'm at a $70 net loss from oh, buying this no. ticket in 2019 or 20, yeah, and selling it in 2021. But whatever, I just needed to get it away. So how did you find out the original price? I looked through my emails from 2019. Oh, so you found no. it. Mm-hmm. I found an invoice or whatever. Oh, that really stinks. But at least you made some money back. I was not going to be able to recoup the entire cost. That was yeah. simply not going to happen. We'll make it up to you. We'll put some of the ad revenue towards you more <laughs> this week, and then we'll, we'll recoup the difference. All that re- ad revenue <laughs> that, we have. All that, yeah, that ad revenue. All that good, good. Well, I'm glad at least you got rid of them. If we did have a Patreon, I could justify buying all these expensive-ass soundtrack CDs from Japan. Yeah, and it'd be a tax write-off. I don't think so. Well, it's a business. We're registered. We're LLC. We have 13 <laughs> oh, listeners at most. Yeah, you still Hi, s- listeners. <laughs> hey, Send listeners. us an email so we know you exist. <laughs> Those 13 listeners are our 13 loyal listeners, and for that, we appreciate them. Mm-hmm. We love you. We will throw a party in your honor. A yes. virtual something. I don't know. What do the kids do these days? TikTok. We will send you to Jacob's OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. <Don't- laughs> we'll, we'll lose fans then. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not doing TikTok. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the TikTok. You're not well-versed. I just don't get it. The other night, Kelsey sent me a TikTok that was nostalgic for 2013. Nostalgic for 2013? Like, it had, like, filters over images of, like, Temple Run and Rebecca Black's Friday. Oh, wow. I guess that's more 2011. A hell of a year. And things like that. What? It was a hell of a year. I think it's for the younger set because they also had pictures of, like, 13-year-olds at the dance and stuff. Oh, okay. So I think it's for people who are in middle school age, whereas we would have been late high school early college because we all attended college years Mm. but i don't know i'm not nostalgic for i'm no longer able to have nostalgia i say on our um pokemon anime (laughs) podcast (laughs) yeah the whole platform here is nostalgia so god i just feel old now i know i forgot what live for the now live for the future don't live in the past the words of wisdom 
with Austin. It's the Austin Power Hour. <laughs> Maybe we can make that a daily segment thing. Like No. Okay. <laughs> what grinds your gears? Please tell Grindr. us. Grinder. Yeah. That's the Austin Power Hour there. right there. <laughs> oh my god. Not really. During the pandemic, I've been pretty good. Welcome pretty to our Grinder profile of the week with Austin. Okay, I could easily do that. Yeah, there we go. That's what I was thinking. Oh no. All right, Alex, what's yes. your week? Alex, what's up? Um, Stop Austin from talking. It's miserable. No, I'm quite entertained. But let's see. This week, this week was kind of exciting. Jacob, before the podcast, you mentioned the Harry Potter um, marathon. So I have been on that bandwagon too because HBO just uploaded all eight movies. So the other day, I watched three of them in a row. So that was like six hours of movie. <laughs> Which ones did you watch? The first three. Oh, I always watch them in reverse. What? Okay. <laughs> I'm watching them with the eighth to the first. I do it reverse order. Jacob, was that you that one time that Leslie was trying to get someone to watch all the Harry Potter movies for the first time? And I just happened to be around and we watched one of them? Yeah, it was me. Okay, I thought so. And you started a trend where I was like, I watched the first one and I was like, man, this is really kind of just a kid's movie. And they were like, oh no, it gets a lot worse. And I was like, okay, show me. And by the end of it, I was like, oh God. <laughs> so... I mean, it's interesting, like, the whole, regardless of, like, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff or whatever, if you're just looking at the Harry Potter Harry Potter media itself, it's it's a good case study in world-building. It really is. Fantastic Beasts is a case study in world-destroying. This is the Harry Potter marathon, not the Fantastic Beasts marathon. <laughs> I'll never get over how bad that movie is. Okay. I can't talk about it. I haven't watched it, but it's so crazy to see them as, like, little kids. And now they're, like, our age. Well, they're a little older, I think, but... Well, they were always our age. Well, it's still weird watching them as, like, children. I'm just giving you guff. I saw... I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> He's just being... So, yeah, that was fun. It's fun to, like, rewatch those movies, which I wanted to do anyway. I was thinking of buying the Blu-rays, but... So, this is, this is good. I can watch them for free, sort of. Aside from that, Austin let me borrow the Ace Attorney game, and that's been exciting. I started playing it this morning. Is that the boob game we talked about earlier in the podcast? Um, yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's all I remember from that conversation. There's boobs right from the start. Like. Yeah. But overall, it's kind of fun. Alex, I have a spoiler for you. What? What? Do you know this? Is it a big spoiler? The boobs. The boobs are something of a plot point. The the boobs are a plot point. Kind of. Of course they are. Everyone who's played this game knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Okay. So I should keep that in mind, that the boobs play a, a part in the story. Kind of. They're more of a visual signifier. Okay, okay, okay. moving on. <laughs> oh my god. I, that. Oh goodness, Alex. Uh, how are you? Have you started playing them? Yeah, uh, I started. Like how far are you into them? Well, Austin, let me the very first game. Um, I'm not quite sure how many there are in the series, but I started... Yes, yes, Austin? I was going to say there's five cases in the first game. No, oh, okay. I mean like games total. Yeah. Like, how many games are there? <laughs> what is going on? I'm, I'm just not... I'm, it's okay, Austin. too early for me. Austin, how many okay. games are the there? The question is... Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> there are three games for the original trilogy, and then it kind of, like, splinters off in different directions, and there's various spinoffs. Okay. So, I think there's six, two, eleven, and one of them didn't come out in English. So, okay. is the final answer eleven? Yes. Okay. Okay, thank you. Yes, thank you. 
So I'm on game one of 11, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob, how was your week? (laughs) Okay, like how many how many games are there, Austin? There's five cases. (laughs) That was brilliant. Uh, My week's been pretty good. Uh, Oh, Austin, I love you. I'm sorry. Oh God. All right, uh, the, yeah, my week's been pretty good. Like, I'm doing the Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, yeah, now I'm all like, okay, now I'm all flustered. Okay, yeah, go on. I'm doing the Harry Potter marathon. I've watched three movies as well. I think the next one is the Goblet of Fire, which is a good Boo. one. That's what I'm on. Boo! <gasps> How dare you, Austin? I hate their hair. What? That's the year no one cut their hair. Oh, yeah, that's what everyone says about this one. Is that yep. your only complaint with the movie is their haircuts? Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. It's the best movie. Dumbledore's a crazy person. It's memorable. I'll say that. <laughs> I I don't like this one. I think there's a lot Thank of... You. There's a lot of... I like it in the sense that I think it's kind of cool, but there's a lot of stupid stuff in it, like cheating and how dumb... This is where you <laughs> actually see Dumbledore actually rigging the storyline. Like, wait, how did he what? do that? Remember Spoilers. when Harry like finishes? He does each game completely wrong, even though they clearly explain oh. the rules. This is you're supposed to save one person. You're supposed to do this to the dragon. There's this little thing here, and then Dumbledore goes, "Oh well, Harry saved two people, but he finished last. But now he finishes second due to moral fiber and all this stuff." And you're just like, "What the?" Harry's heck? the chosen one. Yeah, yeah. It's clear in this one that Dumbledore's rigging the game. And I was like, it's just laid on a little thick. But like I said, I think it's really cool with, um, what's his name from Twilight being in there. Well, wait, what would Dumbledore's motivation for that being? Just Harry's his favorite? Because how does Dumbledore have any means of knowing that this whole tournament has anything to do with Voldemort? Oh, Dumbledore had this planned out. Remember, he goes in the future. We know that in uh, the third one, that Dumbledore's a time traveler. (laughs) Okay, and you're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a lot of groundwork that's been laid to this story people don't realize how much work Dumbledore had to put in to get the outcome that we had I mean I guess it's kind of underrated but have you read Cursed Child yet Cursed Child Cursed Child Cursed Child what is that okay that's a later discussion oh if I could read I would have read it okay can I just say that I feel like Dumbledore's the true villain of the story he's either the villain he's or shady the mastermind he shady. he's my favorite he constantly, okay, I felt this way after I watched Chamber of Secrets. People were getting petrified left and right. Everybody was in danger. Harry <laughs> ends up in mortal peril at the end. Where was Dumbledore in all this? I mean, he just, okay, and then in the first one, too. I mean, Voldemort's right there in the castle. Dumbledore doesn't, like, sense Voldemort on the back of Quirrell's head. Like, there's just so many instances. That's what I'm saying about the fourth one. He's just letting this all happen because he knows the end game. Right? He's just... Like, okay, Harry, go and, like, put yourself in danger, and it's okay. I'll see you later. Yeah. Like, he he sends the sorting hat with Fox down to the Chamber of Secrets. Where was Dumbledore? Instead of going himself? Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) There's no reason for him not to go. He knows the future. It's so absurd. He's like, Harry, only a true Gryffindor could have pulled the sword out of the sorting hat. I'm like... It would have been better if you had just come down there and fought Voldemort. Like, I guess my reasoning is he's training Harry to be his child soldier. 
So he's like, I don't know, I'll just let Harry pull the sword. That's basically it. He knows Harry's going to be okay. Because remember when like things get really dicey, Dumbledore always steps in to defend Harry. Like when something doesn't go according to plan, Dumbledore redirects it back onto his future path that he knows is going to happen. So D- Dumbledore knows what's going on. Where was he in Prisoner of Azkaban? There was like a murderer on the loose. Okay, and he didn't know anything about what happened in the past. Like he's like, oh yeah, Sirius Black is a dangerous murderer. So he didn't know that information. I guess right? not. And then he lets the Dementors just fly around and like suck out people's souls. Like where was he during the Quidditch match? Where was he at any other time? Like, hey, you got to make some sacrifices to get to the top. You know, I mean, Dumbledore he has something planned out there. Maybe he was trying to get them to suck the fear out of Harry. Maybe he was like, you know, if Harry faces down his ultimate fear, then no. later on in life he won't he won't feel anything. Maybe the he's trying to make dull. The Dementors don't feed on fear, they feed on happiness. Oh, shit. Oh, well, then he's just trying to do the, like, Gohan thing in DBZ, when you just try to, you know, the happy person, if you just piss them off bad enough, they become so powerful, you can't stop them. So maybe he's just trying to make Harry this, like, ptsd scarred person who just doesn't care anymore. And then he becomes a more powerful wizard. All I know about Dragon Ball is Goku never kissed his wife, Chi-Chi, despite having children with her. Yeah. That's awful. Poor Chi-Chi. Poor oh. Chi-Chi. What about, which Dumbledore do you like better? The original one or the one that they put in the third one? Neither is great, but the replacement's better. Okay, yeah. I'm glad you feel that way. The th- that guy that comes in and replaces him, I was like, okay, he has a lot more of a, uh, it's a tonal shift. I mean, visually, the original Dumbledore matches more closely to the book Dumbledore, I think. But personality-wise and like his mannerisms, the, the second Dumbledore is better. Yeah. Even though, again, did you put your name in the goblet? Because Dumbledore's a lunatic, and we know that. And he is so a lunatic. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a mastermind. I think, I think he's underrated. And, okay, just one more thing on Dumbledore, and then we can move on, because I know we've got stuff to get to. Oh, we got one more thing to talk about, though. Oh, okay. But, like, okay, the first, the very first movie, the very first scene when he leaves Harry with the Dursleys, I mean, even McGonagall's like, oh, my God, this is a terrible idea. Are you sure? Like, he, he should, sh- should we leave this child in an abusive situation? Yeah, she knows exactly what they're like. She knows that he's going to have a terrible life. And Dumbledore's just like, no, this is the best thing for him. He can't know anything about anything. Okay, bye. Don't they explain that? Like, there's like some sort of ancient magic that when he's with the Dursleys, no one can come attack him or something? No. Yeah, there, there is something. There's like a barrier around him i thought well that was for that was lily's love that's i don't think that has anything to do with petunia and vernon oh i thought like it like it expanded through genealogy yeah maybe i'm wrong i don't know but there's there's something about that house because he does something in the it's either the sixth seventh or eighth movie that breaks the bond or whatever that he gives up the um protection from lily's love and that's why they all have to move and he Sort of has to separate himself from those people. Is it because he turns 17? He becomes yeah, an adult? Yeah, it actually may be that. Yeah, it so that be... breaks the spell. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, That's what it was. I only read these books one time years <laughs> when they came out, so I don't know for sure. Maybe we should finish our, the movie marathon before we speculate, because okay. I don't remember enough about it, so I could be wrong. Harry Potter fans, if you know, please weigh in. Yes. Okay. Well, that's enough for Out of the Goblet of Fire. Harry <laughs> I was going to ask the ultimate question, but we can move on. What's no, no, the, no, no. Oh, okay, what you have it? to say it now. Okay. Snape, good guy, bad guy. <gasps> He's a bad person. He's a what? 
He's a bad person. No, he's a, he's a good person. person. He can be a compelling character and a bad person at the same time. Like <laughs> He's a very well-written character. Very well-written. I think he's... And a, a bad person. I'm biased because I love Snape and he's my favorite character. Okay, I'm in the boat, same boat as Alex here. I think he's a... Bad, Austin. <laughs> good, 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 per, good person. The motivations are questionable. The motivations. He's selfish. His yeah. motivations are selfish. But he does the right thing. Yeah, I mean he he sacrifices so much, and nobody knows, and he constantly is getting crapped on, and people just have no idea the extent of it. Austin's looking. I have skeptical. no sympathy. I have no sympathy for teachers who bully children. So <laughs> yeah, okay, he's he's a None. <laughs> he's a butthole. Because he's letting his old biases and old anger—he never got over his childhood crush. Well, so he abuses his yeah Lily's son. All he sees is James. Who, granted, James was a bad person. It's true. I never said James wasn't a bad person. Yeah, James was a terrible. Well, maybe terrible is a strong word. He wasn't a good person either. And so Snape is letting his old anger trickle down onto Harry, which isn't right either because he's like what 40 year old adult i don't know well don't forget they're actually younger than that true oh yeah they're way too old yeah (laughs) i guess the movies just boosted up their age you could okay you can't picture anyone else but alan rickman playing snake i mean that is just perfect bad guy from die hard maybe i'm biased too because alan rickman did such a wonderful job playing snape and i love alan rickman so i'm biased as well Everybody in that movie was really good, though. There's no one better. Plus, J.K. Rowling did share the ultimate ending with him, and he was the only one that knew because he had to play the character a certain way. Like, that's why his actions in the earlier movies are what they are. At least I read that somewhere, but... Yeah, when it was revealed that Snape is actually Harry's father, I was like, oh, my God. Whoa, Whoa, boy. (laughs) That would have been a totally different series. Ooh, maybe we could have an alternate universe Harry Potter in which... Harry Potter was actually Snape's. Ooh. All right. Okay. Owatu the Watcher. (laughs) (laughs) We've been watching What If. Oh, What If? What is that? Yeah. It's a Marvel animated show. It's it's semi-canonical to the movies where it's like, what if this different scenario happened? The most recent one was actually pretty good. The Doctor Strange one. I will say that one was Mm -hmm. very interesting. And it didn't end well either. Like, it was sort of like, I mean, it wasn't a happy ending. It was basically like, yep, that's how it is. It sucks. All right, moving on. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) I like those endings better. They're more realistic. Yeah, not everything's a happy ending. If it's more like, you know, real world, then the bad guys would win. So... thoughts about our weeks are we ready to jump into this week's episodes how can one truly be ready for this episode oh my gosh yeah oh my god i'm not prepared for the melvin at all (laughs) i haven't had a melvin in a little bit (laughs) are there any melvins in your life so i did the randomizer and god alex unfortunately what is no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding (laughs) 
<laughs> After a while, we need to learn to veto the randomizer. Yeah, really. Yeah, I'm going to just quit it out. It's uh, Alex, me, and then Austin. Oh, God. Okay. Austin, have fun. You get to lead the discussion. I was about to say, this This is cursed. If I'm leading the discussion again, not... I mean, granted, I don't mind, but there's something well, wrong with... shit, you mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I only mind because it feels like I talk, like, the entire time, and I don't like that, so... No, I mean, uh, whatevs. I think it's... It, you do a good job leading. We always do. It's just, you kind of gotta walk through the episode, then talk the points, come up as they come up, you know? This first one, uh... I'm I'm gonna wish us all luck on that one. <laughs> oh boy! Before we how do we even begin? Start? Okay. The first episode is March of the Executor Squad, yep, and, and we will be doing a 30 second summary. That's right. Before we dive more deeply into it. Yep. Are okay. you ready, Alex? No. Okay. I'll give you five seconds to prepare. Okay. Mm, three, two, one. Go. Okay, in this episode, the twerps go to town where there's a carnival happening. Um, they meet Melvin, who's this sad, depressed, pathetic guy who can't do magic. Um, he decides to manipulate the twerps into helping him do his magic show. He has an execute, which later he goes to the forest after he hypnotizes Ash, catches a bunch of executor. They hypnotize each other, they stampede through the town, they destroy everything, and Ash has to intervene and Time. save the day. And they do. Boom. Challenge accepted, challenge done. So, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this. Yeah, Alrighty, I'm, into, I'm um, leading it. I'm not used to this. I haven't done it in a little while. You can do it. I believe in you. <clears throat> I'm going to enunciate this week so you understand what I'm saying. March on, what, just what like was that? the executor. Shut up, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> so we come to... Is it Mardi Gras? What is happening? Because we come to a festival. It's like a carnival with Ferris wheels and stuff. It is Mardi Gras. Okay, and there's like Playboy bunnies. And yes. like Yeah. Yes. And there's a guy wearing a shirt that says, you throw them, I show them. So. No, there's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ash and Brock tear off their clothes to reveal their... <laughs> reveal their what? Is this the first time we see the Macarenas? Oh, was was Rock holding his Macarenas? He was. That sounds bad. Oh. He was holding the Macarenas. Well, I'm trying to think. His traditional Macarenas, do they have Pokeball iconography on them? I don't recall. These, I don't think, had any sort of symbols on them. they were just them, but... orange originally, yeah. right? They just, he just, uh, and they're just yeah. shaking. Was he wearing, like, his flamenco outfit? Yes. Or whatever it is? Yes. <laughs> He was shirt. He had the Apologize shirtless. for my cultural ignorance. No, you're he good. was. No, Brock was the shirtless one. Yes. Well, okay. he had. He was shirtless, but he had like the vest on with like the fluffy, ribbony, ruffly shirt arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Sort of. I pulled up an image of Brock's paradise, his iconic outfit. He did not have the pokeball macarenas, but he did have the ruffly sleeves. Did he have the hat? No. Er, okay. I didn't... okay. Maybe did he? he did. Maybe he did. I don't know. I don't remember that. Maybe hat. we should watch these episodes before <laughs> we discuss them. There's so That's much happening. Point. Can we pin down every detail all the time? I don't know. We really cannot. It's, it's, the audience is demanding it, though. So Yeah, maybe we need to be better at our jobs. Okay, I'm pulling up the image. You're right. Ash is, Brock is very similar. Oh, he wasn't wearing a hat. Okay, I was right. I shouldn't doubt myself. Ash is wearing like a bowler hat. What is happening with Ash? He That's a terrible outfit. He gets a better outfit later on, though. Okay. Anyway, 
Misty sees this ordeal and she says, I'm not going to be touching this mess. So she and Pikachu, the only rational two of the group, go off and they go around the merry-go-round and such. She ends up seeing a very strange scene of a crying man behind a tent and a lady in a sexy Vulpix playgirl outfit kind of thing. And she's berating him for not paying her, rightfully so. And then he like decides that the best way to win her favor is to plant his face into her crotch area. Yes. At which point she slaps him away and pounces and, you know, pounds off. Sorry, I can't. And walks <laughs> off. She does what now? So he, he, he's pounding off as he shows oh, his up. face in her crotch. Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> okay, so Melvin is disgusting. <laughs> Given, I was about to say. I'm not sorry. Cut. Okay. <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> yep, yep. He, he ends up pounding off crying, and then we go to the next Jesus. episode. He probably was. He was very creepy. He was weird, and Misty's a little weird here, too. <laughs> Misty is... She comes up, and she's like, are you okay? Because, I don't know, Misty's a 10-year-old, and she doesn't know that she needs to stay away from the situation. Yeah. And he basically perves on her, and is like, you're a pretty girl. Do you want to do something for me? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, this scene. And Missy, like, hesitantly, out of fear, agrees to it, not knowing what he's asking. Um, and I'm like, this is awful. Do you remember what he said before that? Bit? What? What do you say? Remember, he's like, you ready? How about you be open-minded? And he's talking yeah, like that was the, it. Yeah, he said Keep that. Keep an open mind. I wrote yeah. it down. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> this this whole part, I, I it's so bad. I mean, he... He's a complete perv and a creep. And he manipul- he's manipulating her. She's like a little kid. And he's like, you're the only one who can help me. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And didn't he say something about he's not going to pay her, too? Or he's like, why don't you yeah. be my yeah. apprentice or something like that? Because remember, he couldn't afford the other lady. So he creeps on this. I assume the other lady was grown. Yeah, she was an adult. Yeah. And he's like, why don't you just be my apprentice? Come work for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. This guy's the worst. I think he might be worse than um, Tommy's parents, and they were the worst so far. He was pretty bad. Yeah. So Misty becomes his like magician's assistant because apparently he's a magician. Um, to Misty's delight, and oh <laughs> god, too. Yeah. She's wearing like a pretty, fr- pretty frilly Goldeen outfit, which I thought was cute. I was like, did he have that on his person, or did she manifest that? Regardless, <laughs> they're going to perform to an audience of about six people. At least one of whom was smoking a cigarette. Oh, Ooh. I didn't notice that. Yeah, in mm-hmm. a big empty auditorium. And they're like heckling and stuff. Melvin is a shit show. He can't do anything right. Oh, wait. We didn't talk about the other thing, which was we have a mention of a real world location. Yes. Oh, yeah, we do. His dream is to have his own show in Vegas. Yeah, apparently Las Vegas exists. <laughs> the Pokemon of world. Co- of course it does. Just Of course. They don't have gambling anymore in the games. They got rid of that. So Las Vegas doesn't have any gambling. It just has magic. It yep. has Voltorb flip, and that's it. I mean, judging by some of the background extra characters in this episode, it definitely has sexy ladies. Yeah. There were some provocative outfits happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that speaking of, Yeah, speaking of provocative outfits, um, Misty's outfit, like you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I was, I was trying to, like, downplay that a little bit. No. But... <laughs> Okay, Alex, get into that. <laughs> well, like you were saying, 
you know, they're performing to this crowd of, like, three people, and they're all like, boo, you suck. Misty's standing up there, and Brock and Ash come in, and Misty's all embarrassed. She's like, what are you doing here? And while she's talking to them from the stage, we get this gratuitous butt shot. Oh, I missed it. How could you have missed it? I guess I was looking down. It was literally, like, it was, Jacob, you saw it. It was her. Yeah, it was very detailed. There was like a there was butt cheeks, mm-hmm. and I was shocked. I was like, "Why? Why? Why are we haven't? Why did they draw this? I don't know. Why is it even there?" Yes, uh-huh. yeah. So yeah, and the setting too of, of how this is all taking place. It's just like, oh my, you know, this... it was it was like a real carnival yeah. setup, like yeah. a sketchy. <laughs> it's like a grungy, dirty tent. Yeah. Yeah, gross. Yeah, there's needles on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Probably, but we didn't see it. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't see it. How far they've gone so far? I did appreciate Pikachu's little suit jacket and bow tie. He was really cute. Yeah. His butt shot wasn't as detailed. No. <laughs> thankfully, this isn't Pokemon Snap. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Pika butt. Um. Anyway, so then fucking Brock starts heckling the yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> Brock's getting into it, man. It's like boring. <laughs> Which I kind of thought was funny. If you can't beat him, join him, right? Melvin starts panicking, so he sets the tent on fire with his magic fire abilities. Do we ever get an explanation for how he shoots the fire out of his cane thing? He has, like, some sort of tiny flamethrower contraption going on, I guess. Doesn't he push a button? And he, like, I don't know, maybe. But he can't control the outfit of the fire, because sometimes it doesn't come out, and sometimes it causes an inferno. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jesse and James are sunbathing on top of the Meowth balloon, which I thought was very perilous, but very cool. Back to the twerps. <laughs> Melvin is has been fired. Rightfully so. Rightfully mm-hmm. so. Rightfully. For many reasons. And the twerps are like, we'll help you because we're busybodies. We need to have a cause at every possible moment. He shows them his show of the fire magic that doesn't work. And Ash is like, I know what to do. So he becomes a swami for his swami magic act in which he has, <laughs> this is his fun outfit. I like this a lot. He has the three starters in a box and his act entirely consists of, okay, water magic and Swirtle shoots up water from the hole in the box, which is not very impressive in this world. I don't think. N- not at all. Can, just, no, but Melvin's amazed. There's the, Okay. That, that's my question. You live in a world of magical, mystical Pokemon creatures who can do all kinds of elemental attacks and, and all kinds of things. And you even have psychic type Pokemon, for one thing. You can literally teleport from place to place. Yeah, you can literally have them <laughs> do magic. So I'm struggling to understand, to your point, like how this is impressive at all. Like, wouldn't people just automatically assume, oh, they're using Pokemon? Yeah, yeah, you have to do, like, crazy stuff that Pokemon yeah. couldn't possibly do. We've already met people that can bend spoons, teleport, yeah, shoot, exactly. turn people into <laughs> dolls, you know, make buildings <laughs> elastic. I mean, we've seen some crazy stuff. This is nothing that should be people should be paying to see. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Lordy. Anyway, the three starters who we're going to see together as a group for the last time, they're really boxed in there, and they, like, I think Charmander starts to fire on Bulbasaur's bulb, and they shove Squirtle to the side, and they all, like, start breaking out fighting. Um, so Ash's magic act is ruined. At which point, I think I missed a transition, because at which point 
the execute start yelling at Ash and then decide to make them into his slave? Yes. Or make him into their slave. Yeah, I don't know what the catalyst for that was. It runs over upset at Ash for some reason. Maybe Why hurting hurting the Pokemon? Maybe maybe they have ill intentions. Clearly yeah. we all blacked out during this part, but Yeah. It was like, okay, now it's time for a new plot point. Yeah, no, it, that was a, <laughs> this part of the episode really threw me for a loop. This is the greatest part of like season one because Ash is hypnotized by the execute and he's like not hypnotized in the actual way the move works, which is just puts you to sleep. He becomes like indentured to Melvin's ownership and calls him master. And Melvin has him like carry him out into the leaf forest on a cart. Misty and Brock do not notice this is happening. They just kind of wander <laughs> off off screen <laughs> at like, some whatever. point. And later they see Ash and Melvin. They're like, what's Ash doing with Melvin? I'm like, you guys are dumbasses. How did they... Okay, wait a minute. How... So Ash, Misty, and Brock are all standing there when Ash gets hypnotized. Melvin then deviously decides to take advantage of this poor hypnotized child and make him do his bidding. Where do Brock and Misty go like yeah. what yeah. smash cut ash is yeah. carrying melvin mm-hmm. through the yeah. forest like what how did they miss all this happening i don't understand they, they saw him they saw melvin say turn around three turn three times and pretend to be a bulbasaur and they're just like oh ash is being weird maybe they okay, thought bye. he was doing it willing willingly they're not gonna kink shame ash yeah, today they're not gonna kink shame him that's a good either point. way they leave him to his fate yeah this shift in melvin's character here is really weird right he goes from being like this innocent kind of magician who's a failure no he was never innocent no remember remember the woman in the misty my bad bad. i misspoke i misspoke not innocent but he's like i don't know i guess more i don't know happier kind of he's like weird creep guy but then it becomes like he's like getting off on controlling ash here you know what i mean this guy was always a predator i guess you're right we we see the true melvin (laughs) this guy is a villain like why why is he our character of the day he's an antagonist he is definitely the worst character i think we've encountered so far and we've encountered some bad ones like he's not even so again i'm thinking of like tommy's parents which they they were pretty terrible characters, but they were just imbeciles. Like I don't know if spe- you could specifically say that they were malicious in their intentions. They were just really fucking stupid. But <laughs> Melvin, on the other hand, intentionally is manipulative. I mean, he yeah. I think he's just he's delighted by his newfound power. Yeah, because he doesn't really have a plan. He's just like take me to the forest. That then is he true. Sees- uh, like a herd of executor, and it's like, what's that? Use your Pokédex on them. I mean, he learns that they're executor. Yes, those, Jacob. Those executor could have saved Ash big time there, because he's just carrying him out <laughs> in the middle of the woods, nowhere. You know what I mean? Like maybe those things. Oh my like, god! Yeah, he's telling him to go to the woods. There's no telling. This what is kind gonna of end with Ash. Uh, yeah, like his body. I'm telling you, man. These these executor are like. They save Ash. I really do think so. But it's like through the sheer happenstance of the executor being on the scene. Yeah. Melvin's get distracted from whatever his intentions were with Ash. Even the voice actor creeps me out with Melvin, man. He's like delivering these lines and he's kind of like upbeat and then he gets Ash, control of Ash, and he's like, go to the forest. Turn around three times. I was like, what the? I don't know. It was weird. It was weird to me, man. You know, it was just. (laughs) He's just excited that he has some sort of control over anything or anyone in this case a random child he doesn't know so wait a minute i thought his intention was to bring him out there to to specifically catch oh was that it the executor because i 
I thought he just saw the executor and was like, oh, now we're going to catch these. Possibly. I could be misremembering it, but either way. Anyway, the three starters attack all the executors, and I'm like, goddamn starters, you need to be, have more situational awareness. Ash is not okay. Like, you, snap him out of it. Well, he's using, he tells Ash to catch them all for him so that he can enslave the town to come and yes. view yep. his magic show. That's the reason. Which is, why is this now just being thought of? Whatever. So you think he went out there specifically to catch all these Exeggutor so he could control the world's population? Yes. And get his show on Vegas? (laughs) Yes. How is this guy the first guy to think of this? (laughs) That's a good point, actually. How is this failed magician the first guy to ever think of, hey, let's go out and capture a bunch of Pokemon and make the world our slave? Yeah. How come Giovanni hasn't thought of this? Like, you'd yeah. think an evil team would be like, yes, we're going to go enslave everyone and make them do our bidding, but... Giovanni's designing theme parks. He doesn't have time. Oh, right. Sorry. For... We've He's kind of already had ventures. this this plot line with the Pokemon Lovers Club. It just was like an unintended con- <laughs> oh, consequence. Right. You know, like, we've already had people manipulated by Pokemon before, but this guy's like, you know, I'm just going to... We're just not going to be like a side effect. We're going to just make sure that we control the people, you know? Yeah, Melvin needs to go to jail forever. <laughs> He's a danger. <laughs> this guy, man. Team Rocket's also there, and they do their own magic act. That which was I wrote great. Down. This, is their, this is their best motto yet, because yep. it was actually kind of fun. Regale us. They appear, they do their introductions, they get into a box... Meowth participates, and he throws a, t- a sheet over the box. It says, Alakazam, Alakazoo, something, something. He pulls off the tarp, and they've vanished. But now they're on the balloon, and they do a backflip, or is it a front flip, to the ground from 100 feet up. Yes, Jacob? And they, no, I was about to say, they, I was going to like, is it backflip or front flip? But they stick the landing. So They do stick the landing. Really good. Because Jesse and James are true artists. At whatever it is they're doing, they're going to do it very competently. Except for stealing Pokemon. They can't do that. Well, that is because they're not thieves. They're true performers at heart. That's where their real artistry and mastery is. And I wish they could see that because whether it's hair, like when they did their hair salon venture, that was artistic. You know, when they're being magicians, like they're very much, I wish they would just understand that that was their true calling. It's so frustrating. It is. (laughs) I guess that's part of the joke is they're good at everything but capturing Pokemon. (laughs) You know, I mean, like they ran a successful business. They're like excellent performers. They put on a good show. They've got good voices. Like when they sing, they actually sound really well, you know. Gosh. Yeah, and the novel, (laughs) remember in the novel, Jesse was a prior like radio talk show host and lord like she was good at it see i feel like there's a plot here to be like jesse you're too old to become a new hit sensation like like a commentary on (laughs) celebrity culture and (laughs) you're even though i don't actually believe that's true jesse's only like what 25 yeah is she 25 they're in their 20s for sure really huh yeah how old do you think they were i was like maybe 20 but like just turned 20 i was thinking maybe like 17 18 mm. 19 somewhere in there well the way they act with the kids they act way younger than they are so yeah maybe that's it. that's another one of their failings they're in insanely immature i mean jesse they do get into the whole contest thing later <gasps> ah! and <laughs> that's where her true passion is so we'll get there we'll get there 
let's just make our thesis statement already. Jesse is a better performer than May and Donna Serena could ever hope to be. No argument here. They just don't give her enough time in the spotlight. I feel like she could really do awesome things, but she always just gets crapped on. So Yeah. I feel like I've kind of overlooked Jesse during this podcast, but you know, Team Rocket's great. They are. <laughs> They're so underrated. That's what I said. Like James is just like my new favorite character. I just, <laughs> we have been highlighting James quite a bit, <laughs> yeah, but just... Jesse's kind of fallen under the radar. Yeah. <laughs> he has the best one-liners. This is probably one of the best duo of characters that is very underrated that makes a show. <laughs> Name a more iconic duo. Yeah, like you can't. You can't. You really. I don't think you can for especially for like a kids show. Once we get Wobbuffet in there, we got the perfect set of characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's a good point. I completely just we don't have Wobbuffet yet. Yeah, that's why it feels kind of off. It's because we don't have Wobbuffet that yet. That is true. They're still carrying it really, really well though for not having him. But once he gets in there, he's like the you know the final. Little thing, little final little tidbit of the recipe that makes it work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, plus, we haven't established all their quirks yet. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into that later. <laughs> Melvin's execute evolves into executor, I guess, because they're in the leaf forest and there's like tr- trace amounts of leaf stone everywhere. Sure. Sure. And then w- they hypnotize Team Rocket, but that leads to a chain reaction of all the executors e- e- hypnotizing each other, which I thought was kind of a clever premise, actually. It's like a mirrors, you know. It was like it's like a room full of mirrors when we think of it. Um, they all start to march as a procession, causing mayhem and destruction wherever they go. And they're marching into town. They trample over Ash and Melvin. This <laughs> appears to be enough to break Ash out of his trance. At which point, Misty and Brock have finally caught up. Misty runs over to Ash to make sure he's okay, and Brock runs over to Melvin, exclaiming, "Melvin!" Why does he care? Yeah, I have some problems. Because Brock's with that. a weirdo. Yeah, I, think, I, what is, I think they share some common interest between Brock and Melvin, so maybe that's what's going on there. But they're both creepy perverts. Exactly. I'm, exactly. I'm like, why are you guys still hanging out with Melvin? Melvin needs to leave. <laughs> just leave him tied up. I mean, just who cares? I know you already committed yourself to devoting 22 minutes of your time to him, but <laughs> <laughs> it's time to move on. But it's not time to move on, actually, because all the executors trample through the towns, killing hundreds. Yeah. I assume. Thousands. Thousands in damage. Yeah, decimating the, the town. At this point, the twerps and Melvin run, follow them. The carnival owner, I guess, reveals oh, that he Lord. has planted a bomb. Oh, my which, God. Questions. Oh, questions about okay. that. Okay, I thought it was a minefield. It was basically effectively a minefield, but it's on a but timer. It was like a timed, yeah. Okay, okay. I thought it was like just they step on it, boom. <laughs> like this has happened before, obviously. Then right? wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. First of all, okay, the executor have caused all this destruction. First of all, when would this carnival manager person have had time to rig up a time bomb? He was ready to go. No, see, I think there's other intentions here. What? Okay. What would that be? So the, is this some sort of insurance scam? No, no it's not. I was, <laughs> he was going to blow mind, up his carnival. No, my mind went there for a tidbit. But then, okay, so he has the bomb on the perimeter of the carnival, right? What the hell? So <laughs> all these people are at this carnival against their will. So it's like, you you leave this carnival, boom, you're dead. You know what? You, you want to end up like, I think that's what's going on here. They're trapped. Well, that would explain a lot because the logistics of this don't make any sense. No, they, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, that's exactly the executor go, okay. Let's say that they start on the left side of the carnival, 
and then they go to the right side. So they trample through the carnival, and now they're on the right side. Yes. On the right side, there's a cliff face at which they turn, do like a like a 180 degree angle and come back. They're heading straight back to where the carnival is. Yes. Now they're gonna theoretically they're gonna rampage to the carnival a second time. Then they're gonna be on the left side of the carnival where the bomb is planted. So this bomb would not do much of anything to save the town. Because, first of all, the town's already destroyed. Yep. Then it's going to get trampled through a second time. Then the bomb's going to go off on the other side of the town, killing the executor, presumably. So that was just the... His end game was to just blow up the executor. I guess, like, prevent them from causing further damage elsewhere. But if they... Okay, wait. To your point. Back to <laughs> your point. Sacrifice. So they went through the town. They destroyed it. Yes. They yeah. then reach the cliff face. They can't go any farther. So they come back around. Mm-hmm. Then they they trample a second time. Okay, the town mm-hmm. is completely decimated. Why would... So what then is the point of blowing them up when they could have just continued on back into the forest? Like, what is the point of blowing them up and killing them if the town, like you said, is already destroyed? There isn't any. There isn't, no. It's like Jacob said, he's holding people hostage. He's holding people hostage. But the, why is the carnival manager the executive person on this? Where's the mayor? Where's, you know, where's the police? Like, where's the police? Where's, like, <laughs> other people to stop this? I mean... I mean, the people have evacuated. Good for, yeah. good for them. I guess so. It's like a, Or like their a, mangled bodies are left behind on the street. Yeah, I, don't know. I think they were all dead. You do see that one guy. Good God. Okay, this makes no sense. Um. So the executor come back around, and Ash decides he's going to stop them by sending out the starters one at a time. Uh, Melvin's still with them. I think the carnival manager has left the place because he knows there's a goddamn bomb about to go off. <laughs> he just booked it. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. So we fight the, the executor one at a time, even though previously it was effectively weakening them. Now it has no effect on them in their hypnotized state. So Squirtle gives them a, a quick little sprinkle to make them feel better. And Bulbasaur is ineffective as well. So now it's Charmander's turn, and Charmander is like pushed to his limit, throwing out flamethrowers at these executor. Oh, I felt Oh, wait, so Bulbasaur bad. gave them haircuts with his razor leaf. That's right. Oh, That's right, yeah. yeah. Like a little trim trim. So Charmander, the fire is the only thing that wakes the executor up. I would argue that a giant rock snake might help to corral the executor. So maybe Brock and Misty could have lent any kind of assistance whatsoever instead of standing there uselessly like bumps on a log. But they don't consider that possibility. I thought Onyx was going to come out and form like a, like a wall. Like, like a barrier. Gonna, yeah, like lay flat to stop them from like coming Like herd in. them. Yeah. yeah. And the, but then they start breaking over, and like in World War Z, when the zombies come over the wall, and then the Pokemon start attacking them, and there's like a little battle. I, thought, <laughs> I don't know. My mind just goes different places with this stuff. I, this was an all-hands-on-deck situation. <laughs> yes. They're like, well, better leave it to Charmander, <laughs> yeah. which ties into what we've always been saying about Ash relying on Charmander so much and taking it for granted. Yeah, no wonder it turns out all jacked up, because Ash just systematically abuses it to the point of like, exhaustion and Charmander's like about to pass out from mm-hmm. exhaustion and keep going keep going at which point we decide the only thing that can possibly help this situation is Melvin's fire cane thing what about did we forget about uh, Volpix yeah, oh my god you're totally right just last episode Volpix showed great competence with its fire abilities literally there's 700 million things that Brock could have done to help but he didn't do anything. Maybe Brock and Misty should have been part of the Executor March along with Team Rocket to put them out of commission. That would have made a lot more sense. I mean, at least to, to Misty's credit, she was the one. Uh, okay. 
she did run up and say, Melvin, this is all your fucking fault. You need to do something. Get off your ass and help. So she did say something, but still. I mean, Goldine wasn't going to be of any help, so I understand her standing on the sidelines. Yes. I would just throw them all out. I'd be like, go, you know, just here we go. Like, star you and star me, like, just knock them back. Yeah, there'd be no circumstance where I wouldn't just throw all my Pokemon out with something like this. I would just be like, y'all go, everyone go. She could have used Horsey. It could have spat ink in their eyes, slowed them down, Ooh, something. good point. <laughs> I also forgot Horsey existed. Could have sprayed it on the ground. They could have slipped and fell. Yeah, exactly. You know? They had many options, but we had to make Melvin the hero. Yeah. Melvin could have thrown bananas, make them slip a two or something. You know, we could have got creative here, but we didn't. This is all Melvin's fault. Um, regardless, I think the fire magic assist or maybe completely stops them. So the executor is saved. They kind of walk off back toward the cliff face. Question mark. <laughs> is that where they were going? They were going in the other direction they were coming from, right? Who knows? They just... I don't care. They leave. <laughs> Wait a minute. So my question to this is, so Melvin catches, he is their trainer. He caught them all in Pokeballs and then... They just leave. So what What does that mean? That they're no longer his? That his plan of actually getting the army succeeded. Oh, Lord. Now they're going to a different location yep. to enact this plan again. Yep, there you go. <laughs> this is, that's Melvin's calling card right there. He just massacres towns. We don't get a resolution here. They just leave, and Melvin's like, okay. What we do get is an evolution. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's such a quick note. Charmander evolves into Charmeleon and has a great design. This is the beginning of the end. That is a great design. Charmander flamethrowers Ash in the face, and everyone's like, ha 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 ha, that's not foreboding at all. And then the episode ends. Yep. Yeah, Charmander, Char- Charmeleon, I guess, is out of control. The end. I'm very impressed with how much we pulled out of that episode, because <laughs> I was like... I mean, there was a lot with all the Melvin of it all. <laughs> Are we going to come to a vote here? Melvin... Worst character we've met so far, or what are we thinking? Who are some of our alternates? We have Flint. Tommy's parents. Damien. Damien is high up there. I think Flint's low on the list. You think so? Hmm. Yeah. Sabrina, but she was like in a psychic trance state, so she has an excuse. And those people might have been willingly coming to her, which still isn't good, but... Officer Jenny. Oh, Oh, well. (laughs) That's That's more than... That's like 90% of the list is Officer Jenny's. Yeah, yeah. We're forgetting some major ones. Uh, Akihabara. Oh, yeah. yeah. Akihabara. Good one. Good one. What's the guy's name? The Ron Hubbard guy? I mean, he's not necessarily Seymour. Seymour. He's not malicious. He's just yeah. a weirdo. Yeah, weird. <laughs> I know uh-huh. we're forgetting somebody. Weird. De- we're forgetting some major ones. Uh, what's the kid's name who has that fake gym? Who abuses Pokemon? AJ. AJ. Who was the kid um, during the race and he had the Dodrio and he like was cheating? Dorian. Dorian. Dorian? Yeah, I knew it was something like that. Darian, Dorian. Really? Okay. So we have Damien and Dorian? Whatever, that kid. We're forgetting a bunch of people. Yeah, but this this guy, for me, for some reason, he just... I don't, I don't know. I think he's the worst so, so far that I can remember. He tried to mind control the world, so yeah. that's, pretty, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. All because he wanted audience for his magic show. All right, I guess... um. We'll move on to our MVP and LVP. This is where we pick, and our quotes, this is where we pick our most viable player and our least viable player, and we pick our most memorable quote from the episode. Remember, no repeats, one per person. Ooh, and the list is me, Alex Austin. 
Cool deal. I'll start with my MVP. And mm. my MVP was, I actually chose Charmander. Oh, Yeah, he did. A, I think he played a pivotal role in stopping the destruction of the town, even though it kind of already happened. I guess less people got hurt thanks to Charmander. <laughs> <laughs> and then my LVP, who's going to be mentioned here in a little bit more, uh, is Melvin, of course. Of course. <laughs> the scumbag Melvin. We were all going to fight for that one. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> glad I went first because he was easily the MVP. Or the LVP. This forces you to be creative, though. Yeah. And then my quote is also from Melvin. And this is when he gets captured. And it's the way the line is delivered that really got me, because he's really trying to victimize himself here. And he says it, hey, stop it. Let me go. Hey. And that's exactly, (laughs) that is exactly how he delivers that line when he's captured. And I was like, you scumbag, I hope you don't get saved. (laughs) Wait, when did he get captured? (laughs) I think it's for like Team Rocket get comes in oh. and they like they like tie him up for something, and he's like, "Hey, help me!" And I was like, "Oh my god, no, no, leave, put him in the pathway of the stampeding executor, please. <laughs> Throw him into the bomb. <laughs> Throw him in the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> this guy does not deserve to be saved. Let Charmeleon have him. Yeah, really. Put him in a tent with him. Let him go at him." Oh my god. Um I wrote down what kind of drugs is Melvin on? Is it tranquilizers? Is it <laughs> <laughs> cocaine? Yeah. No, he's not on cocaine. I think he's taking cocaine and a depressant of some sort. Bobby tranquilizers. Chewitz, cocaine I tranquilizers. I don't think you should mix things like that. Well he's probably is. Look how awful he is. Yeah. I think in an eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. MVP, let's let's see. God, this is this is hard. I'll go with Ash because well, okay, at first he was like, Melvin, don't give up on your dream, which, you know, that's a good message, you know, when <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I, I give up. I can't do all this stuff." He's like, "No, Melvin, you have to fight for what you want." Which that doesn't really work out to Ash's credit because then he ends up like hypnotized and enslaved. So I feel bad for Ash in this episode because a lot of what happened to him was not his fault. Um, and let's see, LVP, God, I'm gonna say Brock. Brock. <laughs> Good you choice. picked every episode Good without choice. fail. <laughs> I love Brock, but Jesus, in this episode, first, okay, first he ends up heckling Misty and Melvin, which way to be a supportive friend. Then he stands around. Well, he lets Ash wander off with this strange man. And then at the end, like we talked about, he could have stepped in and done any number of things to help and assist Charmander and just this whole situation. But he doesn't. He just stands there. You know, we had Vulpix, we had Zubat, even Onyx, anything. He doesn't do anything. So I don't know what the hell was up with Brock, but he wasn't helpful. And let's see, quote, um, the part where... <laughs> Jesse and James and Team Rocket, like, they're there and Execute tries to keep Team Rocket from, like, stealing all the... Damn it, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And Execute hops up and, you know, tries to interrupt this happening. And James says, be quiet or I'll knock the cholesterol out of you. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. James has the best line yet again. He's the king of one-liners. What can I say? He's the man. My go. My MVP is Melvin's original assistant. Oh, yeah. For her cute little Vulpix outfit. That was great. That was awesome. For when this man is not paying her for her work, 
she, you know, she tells him as such and she leaves while giving him a talking down to that he very deservedly um, has coming his way. And she doesn't tolerate the um, physical unwanted abuse that she's receiving. And good for her. She's a role model. She punches him in the face. Yeah. She's in the right to do so Mm -hmm. in that situation. Should have kicked him too. Yep. Good for her. My LVP, I guess I'll just give it to the sketchy carnival owner for having a bomb ready to go at any possible moment and setting it up without a second's hesitation. There's something going on there and it's not good. So he gets LVP. You know what's also weird about that? Is it was on a timer. So this thing was preset. I just thought about that. This thing was preset for a certain (laughs) period. So this thing was going to go off regardless if the executive (laughs) came. (laughs) You know what I mean? If anything, the executor attack stopped the catastrophe from happening. There's another plot line going on here that just totally sideswiped this one that we have here. So, do you think it was... Okay, assumedly this is a traveling circus. So, the carnival guy was ready to pack up and leave. And he's like, okay, we got our money. Now blow up the town. Do you think Melvin's just a part of this carnival manager and, like, the creepiness that goes along with it? Like, maybe this is just common practice in this carnival they just blow like you said they just blow towns up and melvin's just a part of the bigger scheme here maybe there's some kind of like like you said insurance fraud happening and so he wants to get rid of the evidence so he just like blows up the town he has the when he he wrecks his own carnival but he also has to blow up the town too to make it look like it's like oh these towns get destroyed and the carnival Mm, yeah it was an accident what yeah yeah my quote was during ash's magic act with the starters in the box Misty gives out a really sarcastic, how does he do it? <laughs> Which is exactly what I was thinking. So, gay Misty. <laughs> Get on you, Misty. Get on you. Any more closing thoughts for this episode before we move on to a more tamed episode? We should probably note this is the last episode to air in syndication. Really? Hmm. Mm-hmm. It moves to Kids WB next week. Or next, next this week. Next episode. <laughs> next week. Join the year next is week. 1998. Tune in next week. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. I'm trying to think what else was on that channel that I may have watched. Um, I know I watched a bunch. Yeah, I, I did too. Jackie Chan Adventures. Jackie Chan Adventures. That's an, I love that show. That was a good oh, one. That's wow. an underrated show. Yeah, that show was amazing. I remember when Cartoon Network picked that up too. And it I could wa- you could watch it like four episodes back to back to back to back. All right. Yeah. X-Men Evolution. X-Men Evolution. Another good one. Uh, I watched a bunch of the related ones like the Batman Beyond and Static Shock yeah. and... Batman Beyond was awesome, man. Especially, like, the Return of the Joker. That was a great... That was awesome. I have that on Blu-ray. <laughs> that was an awesome movie. I'll tell you, that might be one of the best Batman movies all time, easily. They had a bunch of shows. I'm trying to remember from, like, this era. Hmm, I can't think. I think I mentioned all the... <laughs> you mentioned all the ones that I would remember. <laughs> all right, we can move on now to our next episode called The Problem with Paris. And what a problem it was. Yeah, that's kind of a problem. Okay, before we before I start the summary thing, we're at Lost Green Village, correct? Wait, I thought it yes. was Moss Green. Yeah, I couldn't. I wrote re- Lost Green. I, that's, we okay. know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we should have had the captions on. <laughs> I'm glad I asked because I heard Lost Green Village, but then I went back and I was like, Moss Green? I, I did listen to determine. it. I'm glad I wasn't the only one because I did go back a few times to listen <laughs> and I'm like... Face? I don't know what you're saying, narrator. He has a problem with enunciation, okay? So, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Bulba says it's Moss Green Village. Moss. Moss, okay, Which good. makes more sense oh, than yeah. Lost. Yeah. That's Who what I thought, because... Is the best. 
<laughs> I'm glad. I'm like I said, I'm really glad I asked because I heard Lost Green at first, but then I went back and heard Moss Green, and I was like, Moss Green, that makes a lot more sense. So I'm glad that we got that sorted out. I rewound two times and I heard Lost every single time. I, is the dress blue or is it gold? Hmm. Or... I saw white and gold. What do you guys gold. see? <laughs> I saw. You can see both if you, depending on what you I have tell to yourself. squint to see the blue and black. I saw blue and black. I drank four Bang Energy drinks and saw blue, but then I took NyQuil and saw gold. Oh my god. So I think it's, maybe it more reflects on the state of mind you have that determines the color you see. Doesn't it reflect on, like, the something aspect of your eyes and your vision? I thought it was your attitude. I thought if you see the, the blue and black, you have better vision. That can't be true. My vision's terrible. Yeah. I thought, it, like, you saw blue if you were in a bad mood and gold if you were, like, optimistic. <laughs> It shows whether you're going to heaven or hell. <laughs> that's that's the test at the pearly gates. He's like, what colors do you see? Oh God, <laughs> that's too much pressure. Now, did you y'all hear Laurel or Yanny? I think I heard Yanny. Loyal, or whatever it was. I heard Laurel. Yeah. Does that mean I'm optimistic or depressed? I don't know. <laughs> is this like the visual thing where you know the ballerina is spinning and it's like? If you think about it, you can make it spin one way or the other, like mm-hmm. left or right. It's just depending on, like, you have to be thinking about it, but you can make your brain see it both ways. Hmm. I don't know if that's the same sensation. Who knows? It's some kind of magic. Dark like magic. Like Melvin. Melvin It was magic. Melvin, goddammit. Melvin magic. <laughs> How do we know we're not all under Melvin's control right now? Good, yeah. We can't yeah. know. Yes, master. How do we know we're not all living in a simulation? Because that's a really, really boring simulation for someone to come up with. That's yeah. a waste of time. <laughs> you think if we were living in a simulation, we'd have more happiness, right? I don't know. People play The Sims and, like, torture them, so, you know. Well, I've never been in a pool and the ladders appeared and I was unable to escape, so I think we're good. That would be too obvious. <laughs> I did see a cat walk by, and then I turned my head, and then I saw the same cat walk by again. Yeah. Same cat or different cat? Deja vu. Deja vu is a glitch in the matrix. Oh my god. They're coming. Okay, Alex. When are you ready? What? For the problem with Paris. What? No, 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 what? <laughs> yeah, Alex, Why do I have to do this again? No, it's your what? turn. What are you talking about? It's your turn. No. Oh, shit. Uh, Jacob, <laughs> tell me when you're ready. Austin, Hold on, let me. How you could want you to do, do this the to episode. me? Alex, you want to do the episode. <laughs> I do my not okay, Melvin, want to do Melvin, tell me when you're ready. <laughs> uh, Come back with your executor. Oh, whenever. Oh, okay. Oh my um, God. <laughs> in three, two, one, go. So we're at Moss Green Village, and it turns out Meowth is very sick. So he meets this girl who says, hey, I got some medicine for you. And he takes it, and he falls in love with her. And her name is Cassandra, and she has a Paris. And she goes away to, to her medicine tent and sees the twerps there. And she's like, hey, I got this Paris. I need to involve to make some better medicine. So the twerps decide to help her out and rig some battles to get the Paris to evolve into a Parasect. And it evolves, and it grows into some special mushrooms, thanks to Ash's friend's help, and even Team Rocket's help with rigging battles to get more experience points. The end. Time. Okay, I just want to say one thing. How come Jacob gets a 10-second warning, and I didn't I, get a 10-second warning? You did get it a 10-second warning. Did I? I give you one. Yeah. I yes. didn't see I'm it. like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't see it, so it doesn't count. Oh, that's right. If it, I don't see it. It's not there. It's the monster in the closet. <laughs> I like how neither of y'all mentioned Charmeleon in your summaries. Charmeleon was a butthole, but we'll get to that. All right. I was going to mention him, but I didn't. Right. Okay. 
So we're in the lost green village of Moss Green Village. Uh, Ash comments that both the narrator and Ash comments that there's no point coming here if there's no gym, at which point I am screaming at the TV at the top of my lungs. Then what the fuck have you been doing this whole time? When was the last you time we were at the goddamn carnival? A long time yeah, ago. Yeah, we haven't been in a gym in a while. Even a real gym in a while. Yeah. Which I'm fine with there being big gaps between gyms as long as like we have an intention of going somewhere and not just dicking around. Well, when it's what Ash wants to do, it's okay. But you know, for anything else. Any case, Ash and Misty bicker, um, and Brock stops them. So they go off to get some medicine for their potion antidotes bag. Meanwhile, Meowth is on death's door under a tree because he has a severe fever. Jesse and James decide that Meowth can just die. So they begin to walk away. <laughs> it seemed like the it the perfect excuse is what it was, really. You know, <laughs> Get rid of him. Yeah. He become fertilizer. The fact that no one ever comments on or remarks upon the fact that Meowth is like an exceptionally useful and novel Pokemon to have around. But whatever, I guess that's part of the joke. <laughs> this is Team Rocket, remember that. That's true. Cassandra appears in the bushes, I think. Yeah. And hmm. she berates Jesse and James for leaving me out to die, which immediately won me over to her. <laughs> At which point, Team Rocket renounced that they're the Team Rocket Super Squad who are traveling superheroes, which she believes them, but she still gives them shit. So good for her for standing up to the superheroes. Is it? Do you say Cassandra or Cassandra? Did they say Cassandra? That's what I can't remember. I thought it was Cassandra. What is it, Alex? You've, you've been right so far with the moss green. Well, moss green. I don't know, but I will. I, my question is, when the hell did they say her name? Like, she didn't ever they introduce didn't. herself. They didn't. I wrote her as green hair girl for several nodes, several bullet points. And eventually they say Cassandra offhandedly. Yeah, Meowth yeah, just nonchalant. says it. Like, Cassandra, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, what? And wait, it, you said Cassandra. Well, I, that was my question. I was like, when did they ever say? I was like, who the fuck is Cassandra? And then I was like, oh, wait, context clues. It has to be that girl. I'm going to call her Cassie. I'm so glad y'all said that because I thought like, I was like, I probably missed it at the beginning of the episode. They probably introduced herself, but nope. We she don't didn't jump out of about... the bushes. Yeah, she could have said, hi, I'm Cassandra, but no, they didn't. Did she jump out of the bushes or did I misremember that? No, she did jump out of the bushes. Okay, thank God. It's the Moss Green Village, so everyone jumps out of bushes. <laughs> She's like, what Welcome. the hell are you doing, you motherfuckers? And then... <laughs> <laughs> Is God, that our that episode titles? <laughs> that's my quote right Yes! <laughs> Jacob, that's going to come up again on this podcast. Oh, we have a special episode planned. Yes, it is. Remember that. Okay, I will. <laughs> anyway, Cassandra Cassandra... Gives them some sort of medication, or gives me out some sort of medication, and then gives Jesse and James, I guess, some sort of, like, antibiotic or something to give to him with every meal. Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of skips off. Meowth, meanwhile, is she head over heels. She pounds off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was going for. I was looking for a word I couldn't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone is just pounding off here today. I don't know what's going on. A little too much tension in these villages, man. Oh is that God. the name of the episode? Pounding off. Yes, yeah. There we go. Pounding off. I'm sorry. Or should we just say you pounding? Oh my God! I had to. I'm never doing leading the discussion ever again. Oh my God! But it makes for the best conversation. This is like that time the the, the ship drowned. Oh God! <laughs> oh, just let it come naturally. You never know what might oh happen. Lord. 
Oh, sorry. Go on. So we're go pounding on. off. They went, she pounded <laughs> off. Okay, and then. so well, well, Meowth is about to pound off because he has a huge crush on <laughs> Cassandra. Oh, Stop. Kudos to you, sir. Oh, that was great. No. <laughs> oh, God. Well, this was that him. You mentioned this before where he there's several times where he falls in love with humans. So, yeah, I think this is the first time oh, it's been boy. really there. Yeah. Okay. I will I will note that Jesse and James in like the the length of one dialogue exchange call me out it and then call him he <laughs> and I'm like that always bothers me they need to be more consistent with that yeah okay so the twerps go to the little pharmacy um, and meet the scary old woman who's Cassandra's grandmother who gives out foreboding warnings and <laughs> threatens to poison them with stuff essentially and Bro- Brock wants to fuck her. He wants to pound off to her. The old lady? The old lady? No, sorry. Cassandra <laughs> appears. <laughs> okay, sorry. We had Cassandra to appears and Brock wants to pound off to her. Yeah. But Cassandra's oblivious and says, oh, you're trainers. Let's have a battle. Ash jumps all over that shit. But we learn that this is like what I would consider to be an ultimately unethical practice of faking losing battles. Absolutely. It's, it's the equivalent to me was like... If you're like a level 80 Pokemon and then you go back to the first town in the game and you fight like the level mm-hmm. 2 Pokemon, you literally can't lose. Yeah, there's no way you're going to lose. Exactly. My question is how would a low level weak Pokemon gain any kind of experience by the other Pokemon throwing the battle? Like how does that help? Psych. The premise this episode is predicated on is really strange because it's based on the premise of you battle to gain experience one might say experience points and that causes you to go up in a numerical level that causes you to evolve. Yeah. But as we know, that doesn't make any goddamn sense because, (laughs) (laughs) because we don't live in a video game. Allegedly. The last time they mentioned anything about levels was at the Pokemon school with like Giselle and all her cronies. And when Mm -hmm. we discussed that episode, we came to the conclusion, like that was just a thing they made up during their like, video game simulation battle thing that they had. Yeah, it's right. not real. But yes. also now it is real. In this, they don't discuss levels or experience points or anything like that. They just say, oh, battling is the best way to go up and, and evolve. Which, like, is, so what kind of force is monitoring and deciding when evolution happens? Because I don't... We see evolution happen all the time, damn time. Just... Just happens. Seemingly, it just happens. Yeah. I thought they were going to pump it full of, like, pills they have made or something oh like that God. they should have gotten a bunch of rare candies yeah they, that's, they work at a pharmacy <laughs> yeah i thought like yeah that's what i thought like they were just gonna make some kind of like stuff to make it grow levels and i was like oh my probably got sick because they ate a pill that it's on the ground from this tent that <laughs> just yeah you know, but is killed is, it is that i don't think that's ethical either so you're talking about okay let it have this false sense of victory against pokemon that are throwing the battle or shove pills down its throat like drug it up so it evolves that's not better Sandra's main goal here is she's going to have her Paris evolve into a Parasect because apparently only Parasect produces some sort of yeah. chemicals or spores or something that she will use for making products. Yeah, remember, this is all for Cassandra's benefit. This has nothing to do with the Pokemon, you know? She frames it in a very, very um, savior complex kind of way where she says, you have to help me save all the Pokemon in the world. 
I'm like, okay, Cassie, <laughs> yeah. calm down. You live That's, in a town that no one knows. You're trying about. to make a. You're trying to make some money. It's not that noble. <laughs> I mean, development of new medications is ultimately a noble pursuit, but from your ten million dollar mansion. Yeah. yeah. I just want to point out, based on what we know about Paris and Parasect, like from the games and like the Pokedex entry. Here we go. Well, I'm trying to pull it up, but apparently the internet's not working. Parasect, it has these parasitic mushrooms that are growing on its back as like a Paris. And then once it evolves, the mushroom takes it over. And it's based on the real life fungus called cordyceps, which is a fungus that takes over insects and then controls their brains. That is what is happening with Parasect. It's designed to, like, if you look at its eyes, like Paris's eyes have an eyeball, like with an iris and everything. Parasect is just white. It's completely mind controlled by this mushroom. So for Cassandra to want to evolve it, it's almost cruel because <laughs> the mushroom will then take over and mind control it. Sorry, I had to advocate for Parasect. No, I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> huh. And this Paris is so pitiful, like... It's, this Paris is basically me in PE class, where they say, Paris, battle this Pokemon, and, like, it, like, taps the Paris, and the Paris is like, oh no! And it, like, faints and rolls over a hundred times to the Aww. side. So, very literally me in PE class. Hmm. I'm not participating in this. Goodbye. I felt bad for it. Ash gets the brilliant idea to send out Charmeleon. We see, the fir- for the first time, officially... Charmeleon becomes outraged and goes full force against Paris. And everyone comments, well, what's wrong with Charmeleon? Ash comments that it would never behave like this when it was a Charmander. Grandma comes over and she says, it's because you're a shitty trainer. And Ash is like, maybe it's because I never went to any gyms and I just go around setting mm, f- fires. and I, around. Yeah, I, I make the Sabrina laugh and all this kind of stuff instead of actually battling. Did you guys make that mistake in the game? Of what? Oh, evolving them too fast? Yeah, did you guys do that? Because I, I did that. I think I did that once just to see what would happen. I, I did it accidentally, and it's very similar to what the uh, what the anime does. Oh, because you just had your starter go to level 100, yeah, and you didn't do it. Did. <laughs> that's why. My starter was level 50 on the second gym, so I was like, <laughs> it, is, it was no use to me. Thank goodness Pokemon doesn't function like Digimon, in which evolving your pokemon too fast then turns it into a giant corrupted skull monster you love skull greymon it's my favorite <laughs> you really love skull greymon and it only okay i'm upset because it only ever appears once and that was that was the defining moment for me like my childhood like that was the one episode and memory i zeroed in on and it literally only appears for like two seconds i don't know why i was so fixated on that but Ty did Agumon dirty. Regardless, this is a pretty boring episode. Yeah. Paris runs away from Charmeleon and finds Team Rocket, who have it attack with Weezing and Arbok, because Meowth wants Paris to evolve, because he wants um, to sit in Cassandra's lap and pound it. Oh, no. Or whatever, pound off. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He ropes Jesse and James into this because they can be his managers. So that's an interesting prospect. Because, you know, they're they're going after the financial gain point of view. Of course. I assume Weezing and Arbok would kill this thing if it weren't for Meowth physically assaulting them while they're launching at Paris. But Paris then kind of takes a 180 itself because it 
It gets like a really boosted ego and climbs up a tree and proclaims its superiority over all other Pokemon. Looks down on them. That was actually kind of funny. It's like on this branch. <laughs> really weird. Paris was like, Almighty cannot be stopped. <laughs> Which is kind of like me when I make a minor victory in a video game. <laughs> or in PE? No, not in PE. Oh. There was never any victories in PE. I was going to give you a chance for a highlight moment there. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. <laughs> I sat out PE. Okay. As long as you dressed out, you're good to go. That's like 90% of the grade, isn't it? Okay, let's go PE for a second. Who thought it was a good idea to put physical education in the middle of the goddamn school day when you're dealing with 12 and 13 and 14-year-old kids who are going through highly problematic body changes simultaneously and have all sorts of disgusting body odors coming out of them. So who thought it was a good idea for them to be running around for 45 minutes time, then go back to class and sit there for the rest of the day? That's when you shower and you body spray. You know, you shower and you do the Axe body spray. The clouds of Axe body spray I had to deal with. Ugh. You don't have enough time to get a full shower, so you go in there and you jump in and you rinse as much as you can. Then you There's no time... For even a military shower, which no one at my school did anyway. I remember one kid bringing, um, like, Huggies Wet Wipes, man, like, scented Huggies Wet Wipes, man. That kid was smart. And he was, like, wiped down, and I was like, damn, that's a that's a really good idea, you know? And I didn't, I should have copied it, but I didn't. But I was like, that's really smart. Good on you. That kid's going places. Man, the worst is, man, when you got it, like, in the fall, like, when school started, like, if you had it the first connection mm-hmm. of the first half of the year, because it didn't get cool, man, until, like way later on man if you got it the second half you were kind of good to go you know you got lesser hot months man but the beginning of the year man you were screwed alex how was your pe experience in middle school i blocked it out oh (laughs) there you go (laughs) i compartmentalized it and i keep it locked away in a little box in my mind did y'all have to do the damn square dancing section no okay that was just us okay i couldn't i couldn't tell you i couldn't tell you it was a miserable experience it's cruel to children. It was cruel. The child is Jacob, I guess. And you we know put- what? <laughs> like, middle school and high school people, girls, are cruel. And mm, there was... I was going to ask about that. Yeah. I I personally had some not good experiences. And it's I still think about it to this day. It really destroys your self-esteem. Girls are way meaner. Like, I remember yeah. hearing some stuff and being like, oh my god, this is like... Why? Why would you say that to someone? You know, even like people around me were like, oh my God, you know, this is just, well, clearly, it's a different world, man. Clearly, children, I mean, children can be mean. There's, you know, bullying is a real problem, you know, but kids just don't understand the lasting impact things that they say can have on people. Like I said, it's been like over 10 years and I still think about some things that were said to me and I'm, you know, you just don't get over that kind of stuff. So, I didn't have a good experience. <laughs> On that note, Did we cut this out. No, I think it's important for people to hear. Yeah, you know, that'll be a lesson, man. Your words have an impact. Yeah. I s- okay, for all for all the middle school kids listening to us, <laughs> a stop and don't go work for any magicians <laughs> named Melvin. Okay. Yeah. B just because you you know you, just because you have been treated like shit doesn't mean you get to treat other people like shit. Well, it's not even that. Yeah. It's like you know, kids shouldn't be mean but also parents teach your children that words matter Mm -hmm. and don't have your you know everybody deserves to be treated decently i mean you don't have to be friends with everybody nobody's saying that but you know treat them with respect at least i know good god it's probably worse these days i could imagine being a kid with like facebook and like all this like twitting tweeting stuff going on i couldn't imagine no i don't even want to know 
Good lord, could you imagine if ours was tamed compared to what's going on today? I don't have any insight into what it's like during this this COVID era of schooling. Ugh, yeah, I know. That's, that's bad. what I'm talking about. Like, I can well, only imagine. It's not even just the kids. I mean, there's we know oh, how yeah. things are. I mean, adults even. I mean, just mm-hmm. watch the news. Turn on the news at any time of day. It's like grown adults are acting absolutely absurdly. And I mean, we all know. We all know what's happened over the past year and a half. So people need to think about what they say in their actions so anyway paris this is a boring episode yeah i'd rather talk about this stuff Let's that was our psa yeah. of the day <laughs> yeah. words that was matter. a more section that was a better commentary than what's going on with this episode that's for sure well i'll skip through it the twerp show up and they're like what's wrong with paris <laughs> charmeleon goes crazy again team rocket shows up in their cheerleading uniforms from the ride show episode and say we help paris and cassandra cassandra is all like oh thank you and then Charmeleon is still going crazy, and Paris accidentally stabs it in the gut to its shock. Uh, Charmeleon passes out, and Paris evolves into Parasect, and is able to um, disarm Charmeleon, to which everyone says, Wow, Parasect's great. Parasect's gonna save the world. And the twerps leave, I guess, and we're left on the note of, Charmeleon sure is acting a disobedient. What are we gonna do? <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> Team Rocket comes back down, and Meowth wants to be the company mascot, but Grandma says, we already got a company mascot. Look at this cute Persian I found in the backyard, to which she holds up like it's a kitten, but it's a giant big yeah, cat. It's probably 50 pounds, and Grandma's front lateral raising it, you know, easily. Yep, and so Team Rocket leaves to Meowth, Missouri. The end. Why wouldn't Parasect be the mascot? Why? Yeah, that's a good point. A that's a good I that point. As well. <laughs> The thing that's making the cure. Yeah, it's literally an apothecary, you know, antidote shop or whatever. Why, what does a posh cat with a jewel in its forehead have to do with potions? Whatever. We're also really jumping the gum. Why do, the gun? Why do we need a mascot? <laughs> like, y'all haven't created any new products yet. Like, calm down. You I haven't know. had any success. <laughs> they're assuming they're going to be successful. I think they got some kind of schemey stuff going on here, too, because... This pl- we, don't we don't know anything. We don't know anything. <laughs> Would you say? Oh, goodness. I've said, of course, oh, they yeah, do. Yeah. This is my deep conspiracy. I think they're going to poison the world, man. I think they're going to make some kind of like virus or something that only Parasect can cure. I think it's going to be one of those things going on here. Kind of like uh, the Umbrella Corporation with Resident Evil. Oh, my God. I think that's what's going to happen here. Because this pl- we don't know if this place is even FDA approved or whatever. You know, it's not. It's I'll not, tell you that yeah, it's, it's not. not. They're just making stuff up. Ain't no telling what kind of ingredients they're using to make this this stuff. You know, it could be, it could just be a numbing agent. You know, the, may not even solve the problem. It just make make the Pokemon feel good. All right, now let's move on to our MVP and LVP in quotes. All right, it's Austin, me, and then Alex. Oh God. Okay. Good luck to all y'all. By the way, <laughs> yeah, this is a hard one. All of us, I should say. Yeah. This is a hard one. Uh. <laughs> My quote is going to be, Team Rocket are doing the motto, prepare for trouble, make it double, and Meowth cuts in and says, yeah, we'll unite all people after that girl comes out, because they're watching the tent with Cassandra in it. My MVP is going to be green-haired girl, slash Cassandra, because even though I think she was an evil capitalist, (laughs) she did have her moment of chewing out Jesse and James for leaving Meowth to die, so I appreciate her on that level. And my LVP is going to be Jesse and James for leaving me out to die. Wow. Very well done. Mm-hmm. Very well Succinct. Done. Yep. I'm going to go with my quote first as well. 
And this is from Jesse, who says, Don't worry, he has eight lives left when talking about leaving Meowth. I thought that was very cruel, but kind of clever. So <laughs> that kind of feeds off your LVP, <laughs> LVP <laughs> Austin. <laughs> and then my MVP, I actually chose Meowth for pounding off. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. I just thought he was kind of nice this episode, I guess. You know, falling in love with Cassandra, good for him. He actually experienced somewhat joy this episode compared to everyone else. My LVP was Charmeleon. Cause, uh, <laughs> this Damn is, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's going to take some months. Just because, you know, this is the beginning of the downfall, I think, like we mentioned earlier. And it's only going to get worse from here, but this is the starting point. We should all remember that. All right. I'll start with the quote, too. So it's the part where Meowth and Team Rocket are helping to train up Paris, and Meowth comes up with the idea to have Arbok and Weezing fight Paris so that it can gain experience. And James says, hurry up, we want to get rich quick. Meowth says, I can't do that unless you lend me Arbok and Weezing. James says, what do you need those two for? And Meowth replies, because losing battles is their specialty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. Poor Arbok, poor Weezing. Pokemon's only as good as their trainer, right? Let's see. LVP. I'm going to go with Cassandra for LVP because she, yeah, I guess she had her moment of like, meow, if you can't leave meow, he'll die, blah, blah. But she also gives Paris this like false sense of like hope or whatever. Like She would be an awful parent, put it that way. Yeah. She was very unfair to Paris. Well, she says at one point she's pressuring it into battle. Clearly, it doesn't want to battle. And, you know, later we see that not all Pokemon care for battling. Not all Pokemon are cut out for battling. Clearly, this one is not. And she kneels down to it and says, good luck, Paris. All the Pokemon in the world are counting on you. (laughs) All that pressure. Yeah, she does say that. Yeah. Yeah, that was almost like, whoa. (laughs) Way to put all that pressure on it, like, as if it didn't already have, like, anxiety so, yeah, I thought she wasn't a very good trainer. Um, God, who... Is there any good character in this episode? Uh, Grandma. Grandma. Oh. <laughs> she, well, she threatened to poison a bunch of kids. Ah, uh, true. Persian? I, I guess it just sat around and did nothing. Um, How about the, the narrator? Let's see. God. Melvin? Maybe, yeah, Melvin. He's the heavy piece. He came back. <laughs> Um, what we didn't see was right after the twerps left, the executor trampled Moss Green Village yeah, to yeah. rubble. God, who to even say? Maybe, well, Misty didn't really do anything. We'll, we'll just say Brock because... Th- throw someone out there. Well, yeah, he. I mean, he's responsible. He's like, we got to stop and get more potions and antidotes. You know, we can't let our Pokemon suffer. We got to do right by them. So I will, I will counter that. Y- yes. <laughs> if he's supposed to keep track of it, how did he not know they were low? Well, I mean, eventually you would run out, so... Yeah, but I was saying, if he thinks he's low, then we should have stopped at the last town and refilled. Unless they used a ton of potions between here and this town, which they could have. So what, are you saying if they had stopped at a regular old Pokemon, we wouldn't have had this problem, but instead he waited till the last minute, and so we had to go to this weird store Shady in the woods? Shack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he's in charge of the inventory, then they should have, he should have kept better track of it. Uh, true. I, I don't know. I feel like I had to give <laughs> Just, one to I Brock. I let you go. Sorry. No, no. Good point. But, you know, I Brock was my LVP last time, so I thought, well, maybe I'll switch it up. And I, I think Brock has the LVP high for everyone. <laughs> yes. How can he be the best character but simultaneously be the worst character? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's Snape. He's Snape. 
Yeah, he is. No, he's not. Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> we love to hate him. How about that? There we go. Next week, we got a couple of... Well, we got one classic, and but both of them are pretty notable. The Song of Jigglypuff. Yes. Oh. And Attack of, Attack of the Prehistoric Pokemon. Oh, my Ooh. God. We get Jigglypuff? I wouldn't consider the Jigglypuff one a classic, but the Prehistoric one is definitely an iconic episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember the Jigglypuff one because I remember after watching that episode, every time I played Super Smash Brothers, I picked Jigglypuff. For the Jigglypuff 64. is a beast yes. in Smash 64. Yes. If you know how to use her right. <laughs> she is awesome. That's That became definitely my favorite character. After that episode, I was like, I'm all Team Jiggly. Let's go. Puff Puff. <laughs> team Jiggly. I'm Team Jiggly Caliente. <laughs> Jiggly Caliente. Uh, so any closing thoughts before we wrap it up here? I will start off uh, my thoughts. I thought the first episode had a lot to talk about, but the second one, no. No, it was a boring one. Yeah. I mean... The implication that Charman- Charmander, Charmeleon is out of control, like Brock even says, like Charmeleon is out of control. You know, now we've got that to deal with. I feel bad for Charmeleon. I think it has the best design of Charmander, Charmeleon, Charizard. Easily. Yeah. And it does, we never see it. Like, this is about it. Yeah, well, it's a problem case, so. I think it had the best, I don't know, that Charizard card was pretty good. But that Charmeleon card was really good, too. The Charizard card was awful. That art was very disconcerting. But the Charmeleon card. That was awesome. He's like slashing air on a rock. (laughs) You see like the the motion of his claws. I just remember the Charizard card everybody wanted. But I thought the Charmeleon card was cool too. Uh, I like the flames around the Charizard card though. So what do we think happened? Like why the, is that typical? Like why the sudden shift in its complete, like it did a complete 180 with its personality. That happens in Journeys. What, with Score Bunny? Yeah. That's Why is it always the fire types? Jesus. Hot-tempered. I just don't know. I guess it's just puberty, you know? Well, Charizard it, it, is It didn't have a, a good PE experience. That's yeah. true. <laughs> We've been keeping track of Charmander and how Ash, like, really doesn't care for Charmander like he should. Well... And then he, like, over-relies on it. So I can I can actually see it. I yeah, mean, yeah. I too. I guess the PTSD, it was with Damien, it was abused... Ash then doesn't really nurture it. He, I mean, Ash sort of abuses it too. So they did not have this storyline planned clearly. Mm. This was a they very clearly were like, uh, and then Charmander evolves. Yeah, but why is it always the fire types? Like, okay, we get the abused Charmander, then later it's the abused Chimchar, and then later it's Score Bunny, which isn't really abused, but. Still, remember that time that Tepig was tied to a post and it couldn't eat because oh, it's yeah. was... oh. oh my god, you're right. Yeah. What? Yeah. What is it? Is, like, why? Why is it the fire types? God. That, that brings up the question though: Would things have been different if Brock would have took Charizard? Well, or, it would never come out of it. We would never see it. So eh. yes, it would be different. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it would never would have evolved. It'd just been Charmander forever. That wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. I mean. <laughs> then it, at least Brock wouldn't force it into these situations and like you know abuse it. He would just keep it nice and cozy in its Pokeball, and then maybe like well, you can't brush a lizard, but like I brush don't know, put like lotion on it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of lotion are we talking about here? Like scale cream. Is that a thing? If you own lizards, l- please let us know how yeah. you care for it. Yeah. Is it really is that scale cream? 
I could see that being something, especially when it sheds its skin. Yeah, it gets or, all itchy and stuff. I was going to Google scale cream, but I don't want to go down well, that Well, you're route. probably going to just get some stuff for, like, psoriasis or whatever. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't Google scale cream. Google, like, Lizard shedding... Care. No, shedding lubricant. What? Because I imagine what? the lotion would help it shed. So, Google shedding... He could, he could just brush Charmander. It's fine. <laughs> it's got hair. Scale rot in snakes. DIY home treatment for cheap. Reptile wound and skin care. I guess they have, like, antibiotic ointment for scale rot. Like cortisone or something? I mean, so I'm assuming that there is cream that you can put on your reptiles. Hey, now. Sure. And you can pound off. Yep. (laughs) Oh, no. Are we actually going to call the episode that? Remember to cream your reptiles. Yes. Yeah. We'll we'll go between pounding off and creaming your reptile. Pounding your reptile. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. If we didn't say it at the beginning of the episode, this episode is rated E for explicit. Did we not say that? I included it. Okay, good. Okay, good. I did. Yep. I made sure to include it. Good, good, good. I didn't expect to go down this route like with this whole episode, but I included it. So we're good to go there. Thank God, Jacob. I'm going to have to double check. But anyway, any more, <laughs> any more closing thoughts before I close this out here, or are we all good to go? I'm good if you guys are good. You good, Austin? Bye. We're going to pound off now. Leave five stars. Leave five stars. Thank you all for listening, and be sure to leave us a five-star rating. And if you have any questions or comments for the show, be sure to send them to outofthedryingpan at gmail.com. That's outofthedryingpan at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. Our handle is out of drying pan. That's out of drying pan. And be sure to join us next time as the journey continues.